Welcome to the February 5th sermon from Clifford Baptist Church, 635 Fletcher's Level Road in Amherst. Today's scripture is Joshua chapter 23, and the sermon is entitled, A Dying Wish, delivered today by Pastor Jeffrey Campbell. If you will, grab your Bible and turn to Joshua. There's only two more sermons after today, 26 sermons at the end, and we're done the book of Joshua. And my prayer is this, that as a church, that this book has called us closer to Jesus than we've ever been before. But today, as we come before him and in his presence, we're going to talk about the reality of something that every single one of us will face one day. And that reality is this. Apart from Jesus Christ coming back to return for his church, one thing will happen. Every single one of us will experience death. And I want you to know the heartache of a pastor. That many times it is in those moments of death that messages come. Messages of life spring out of moments of death. And so today we look at a very old man. We're not guaranteed the opportunity to give a dying wish. And so today, as I've titled this message, A Dying Wish, in reality, it is a living wish. And it's a living word. And it is a living God that we must carry on and speak to the next generation. It is my job as your pastor to do that. But I fully believe it is your job as grandparents and parents and young people to tell the next generation, do not forget Jesus Christ. Joshua chapter 23. The first five verses say this. And it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest unto Israel from all their enemies round about that Joshua waxed old and stricken in age. And Joshua called for all Israel and for their elders and for their heads and for their judges and for their officers and said unto them, listen to these three words, I am old and stricken in age. And ye have seen all that the Lord your God hath done unto all these nations because of you. For the Lord your God is he that hath fought for you. Behold, I have divided unto you by lot these nations that remain to be an inheritance for your tribes from Jordan with all the nations that I have cut off, even unto the great sea Westward, And the Lord your God, he shall expel them from before you and drive them from out of your sight. And ye shall possess their land as the Lord your God hath promised unto you. Today, as we look at those first five verses, here is how Joshua starts out his message. I'm old. How many of us know what that feels like? Oh, there's a lot of hands. Joshua opens up with some pretty true words. I am old. And age has gotten its hold on my body, but it has not gotten its hold on my voice and on my tongue and what I need you to know and understand as the people of God. He calls a group together probably at a place called Shiloh. Shiloh was the location of the Old Testament tabernacle. And he calls the elders and the heads of the tribes and the judges and the officers. And he makes, uh, and he starts this great speech by just simply saying, I'm old and I'm stricken in age. It is believed that Joshua was 105 years old at this time. I will say this, here's my definition of old. You're old when you're over 100. Darnell, you're not old yet. You got a ways to go. And there are some of you today that have a ways to go. But here's the thing, friends. We don't know how long we have left. But here's what Joshua does know. God still has a work to do. 
And friends, today, as his church, I want you to know this. I'm 40 years old, and God still has a work to do with his people and with his church. Don't leave it for the younger people to do. The older people must join them. And younger people, don't think you're young enough. Friends, if we think that we're too young to do something, we'll never get around to doing it. And if we think that we're too old to do something, we will never step out in faith and do it. Because we're trusting in our own wisdom. And so today, I look at a people that I love and that I lead and say this. We are not old, but we have a message that our world and our community needs to hear. And that is Jesus Christ loves you. Today, my prayer is this. There is no person too old or too young to share that message with somebody else. Joshua says this, I'm old, so bring the people and gather around. Come my way, I've got something to tell. And as that leadership gathers around, as a nation gathers before his aged leader, he reminds them of this, you have seen what God has done because of faith and obedience. God has not forgotten you. In other words, here's what God has done, as Joshua says. God has fought every battle for you. Today, you may be here for the hundredth time or the first time. But my prayer is this, is that you hear this message. If you are fighting a battle and you are a child of God, you do not fight that battle alone. God goes before you. God fights the battle with you. I'm grateful for God's word the little book of Jude at the end of your New Testament. I want you to hear two verses, 24 and 25. Here's what it says. Now unto him that is able to keep you from falling and to present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy. To the only wise God our Savior be glory and majesty, dominion and power both now and forever. God has not changed and God still fights the battles. And so church, you need to understand that. Many times we feel like we need to do that. No, God just uses us. God really doesn't need any one of us. But he chooses to use us. And Joshua says, Israel, do not forget. God has fought the battle for you. Why does God need to remind people? Over and over again through the book of Joshua, how come every Sunday morning that you come to church and Jeffrey's preaching, Jeffrey's going to say, you need to trust God and you need to believe and you need to have faith. Why do we remind you of that? Look at verse number one with me. It says this, And it came to pass a long time after the Lord had given rest. How many of you understand that time can be a blessing? Amen? But how many of you understand this too, that time can be a curse? And here's what Joshua says. It's been a little while since you have seen God work. You have rested in his work. You had rested. You've been in, in your tribes and you've been in your areas as we have divided the land. And there has been much time since that has happened. I want you to know, as a word of testimony, that time can be an enemy. As the nation entered a season of war, the division of land took place and tribes were dispersed. And it's amazing what time does. What does time do to your habits? What does time do to your faith? And the way that God intended that is that through time... Faith would grow and people would become closer to God. But here's the reality of the church in America. Time is our enemy. Miss one Sunday and let me show you what I'm talking about. Because when you miss one Sunday, it can so easily become two and three and four. One Sunday becomes one month, becomes one year since you've worshipped in the house of God. 
Time is an enemy. Many in this sanctuary can begin their stories with the words, I remember when I used to. I'm guilty. I remember when I used to do this. I remember when I used to come. I remember when I used to see. I want to know what God's done for you lately. How have you trusted him? What are you doing? Many of us used to go to Sunday school or be tied into church or be faithful or to go on a mission trip. We used to do those things. Friends, time stops us from doing that. And so I want you to see a reminder that Joshua says, after a long time, you've got to be reminded what God has done. Here's what I want to say. Don't let time be the dividing factor of your faith. Because time will do that. It will divide your faith. I want to tell you, it is time. Listen to Romans chapter 13. And now, and that knowing the time, that now is high time to awake out of sleep, for now is our salvation nearer than when we believed. I thought I was a strong Christian when I accepted the Lord. But there's testimony for myself that I fell away. My goal is to be stronger as time goes on in my faith. And I want to warn you, if you're not careful, time will weaken it. Don't let time divide your faith. Now is the high time. The night is far spent. The day is at hand. Let us therefore cast off the works of darkness and let us put on the armor of light. Let us walk honestly as in the day, not in the rioting and drunkenness, not in chambering and wantonness, not in strife and envying, but put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ and make not provision for the flesh to fulfill the lust thereof. Church today, I know I have your attention right now, but I don't want it. I want you to give your attention to God. And here's what I want to say. What are you doing today for the Lord? Coming to church it's a wonderful thing. But I would hate to one day when I stand before the Lord to say, God, I showed up at Clifford Baptist Church on February the 5th, 2023. That's the best I have to offer you. Let time grow your faith, not divide it. Friends, I want you to see a nation that went their own way into their own land. They've gotten away from the reminder that God is good and He is the only reason they are where they are. You and I... And point number one, need to take God serious. Joshua's dying wish was this, that friends, you take God serious because he fights the battles for you. Today, my prayer is this. It calls every single person to take God serious. Point number two, look at verses 6 through 11. Be ye therefore very courageous to keep and to do all that is written in the book of the law of Moses, that ye turn not aside therefrom, to the right hand or to the left. That ye come not among these nations. These that remain among you. Neither make mention of the name of their gods. Nor cause to swear by them. Neither serve them. Nor bow yourselves unto them. But cleave unto the Lord your God. As ye have done unto this day. For the Lord hath driven out from before you. Great nations and strong. But as for you. No man hath been able to stand before you unto this day. One man of you shall chase a thousand for the Lord your God. He it is that fighteth for you as he promised you. Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. Point number two today in a dying wish is this. That you cleave or that you cling unto God. We have a Joshua addressing something that would become a problem in the life of Israel. As they went through the conquering phase, we pointed out the times where they did not conquer 
fully. And when they did not fully conquer, it would come back and bite them later. And here is that warning from Joshua. Look at verse 7. It says that you come not among these nations, these that remain among you, neither make mention of the name of their gods, nor cause to swear by them, neither serve them, nor bow yourselves unto them. Those are powerful words. From a leader of a nation of Israel, here's what Joshua says. Don't go near them. But also, don't mention their God. Don't serve them. Don't swear to them. Don't bow down to the gods that they serve. So this is for the leaders, but also for a nation. But I want you to see God's heart for a nation and a people that he loved. He knew that these people would be easily swayed. And here's what he said. Don't you even go there. Friends, today, I want to warn you. Don't go among them. The Bible easily speaks about sin. And sin, the best way to combat it, the Bible says, to flee. Here is a warning from Joshua. Don't even go there because you will fail. There are so many times growing up as a teenage boy and as a young uh, 20s boy, and those, those days were nice, I can look back on them. But how many times I thought I could change somebody. I could change those friends of mine or I could change that group. And old Jeffrey fell in with them. Here is the stern warning from Joshua. Don't go there. But also in verse number 6, Joshua tells them to stay true to the word of God. Don't turn aside to the left or to the right. And Moses taught his people the same thing. Throughout the Old Testament, the warning is there. Don't turn away from God. So number one, don't go there. Number two, keep your eyes and your focus on God. I want you to know at Clifford Baptist Church, it's important that we teach and we preach the word of God. Nothing more and nothing less. And we cannot turn from it. We cannot. Because the moment we step out on our own, it opens us up to be vulnerable. And so friends, the warning there is to stay, to the, stay close to the Word of God. The third thing we see here in this passage is this. That we need to cleave or cling unto the Lord in verse number 8. A reminder to continue the Lord's leading in everything that you do. Other gods, other people, other nations are going to vie for your attention. Cling to God. They're going to distract you. They're going to tell you it's okay. Cling to God. And so friends today, I think that word is true for you and me. There are times today that we must still cling to God. Just this week on a visit, somebody told me the only way that I made it is because of God, that should be the testimony of Christians all around the world. The only reason I'm doing what I'm doing is because of God. And friends today, don't let him go. Don't leave or lose your first love. The fourth thing that we see is this. Joshua reminds them that no one has been able to defeat you. No one. Nothing, no army, no person, no scheme, no military plan has defeated you yet. The only defeat that you went through was a defeat that happened from within. You remember that, right? The sin of Achan. That's the only defeat. That's the only defeat of the Israelite people under Joshua's leadership. And it, and it started within. The seven greatest nations of our world and past time have all been defeated from within. The United States of America is currently being defeated from within. And our church 
Our church is vulnerable to the same thing. Friends, I want you to understand this. As God leads, we must follow together. You are not following Jeffrey Campbell. You are following Jesus Christ. And so today, we follow him together. The defeat from within. The Israelites showed us what that looked like. When sin crept in, defeat happened. And so we all must give our attention to that and give warning to that. But here's the reminder. No one's been able to defeat you. Ever since you have been faithful to God, nothing has been able to defeat you except for yourself. The next thing in this passage is a reminder to love the Lord your God. The greatest commandment, why do you need to teach somebody to love God? Why do you need to remind people how quickly we forget? Joshua said at the end in verse number 11, Take good heed therefore unto yourselves that you love the Lord your God. That's what it boils down to, friends. Before you can cling to God, you must truly love Him. And So it's a call today for every one of us to love God. Look at Verses 12, 13, and 14. Else if you do in any wise go back and cleave unto the remnant of these nations, even these that remain among you, and shall make marriages with them, and go unto them, and they to you. Know for a certainty that the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. But they shall be snares and traps and scourges in your side and thorns in your eyes. Until you perish off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And behold this day I am going the way of all the earth. And ye know in all your hearts and in all your souls. That not one thing hath failed of all the good things which the Lord your God spake concerning you. All are come to pass unto you. And not one thing hath failed thereof. Point number three. A dying wish of an aged leader is a reminder that not one thing that God has said has failed. Not only do we love God and we follow Him and be submissive to Him, but we are reminded here in very real fashion that God has never failed. Today, I hope as Christians, we believe that to be true even today. That God has not failed. Some people grab their fist and they shake it toward a God... And say, God, you have failed me. No, God has not. Many times, as I shake my fist, I realize I'm the one who's failed. I'm the one who has forgotten. I'm the one who has left and forsaken a God that loves me so. But here are the reminder through Scripture that God has never failed. Verse number 14, real quick, it says this. Joshua says, and behold, this day I am going the way of all the earth. Can I translate that for you? Joshua tells his people, I am dying. I know that my days or my years are numbered. I know that I don't have long left in serving. But I've got a message still to give to you. I don't know how longer I have. But in my hundred plus years, God has never failed me. Joshua calls this group together. He gets very personal with him. And he says this in these verses. He says, deep down in your soul, as you have walked through those battles... And you have seen the division and the separating of the land. And you have seen the defeat. And you have seen the conquering. You know deep down in your soul there is a God. And God has not failed you. I'm grateful today that he warns in verse number 12 and 13. 
that just because God has not failed doesn't mean failure can't happen. Verses 12 and 13 say this, that if you go back and you cleave to the remnant of nations, if you cleave to something else other than God, failure will happen and that will not be God's fault. That will be your fault because you chose to leave God. He brings up a very interesting subject. One that I have received questions throughout the years about. Verse number 12. You see a warning. If you go back and anywise go back and cleave into the remnant of these nations. Even these that remain among you and shall make marriages with them. And go into them and they to you. Know for certainty the Lord your God will no more drive out any of these nations from before you. Here's a very real warning. And one that we still have questions about today, and I'm going to give you my take on it, and that is this. Intermarriage within the nations. Why did God say, do not go back and intermarry with these people? Because the Lord has got a consequence. He will not drive out, but he will begin to lay traps and snares and thorns in the eyes until you die. But as we look at this question about intermarriage, what does it have to do with God? Here's my take. It has nothing to do with the people. It has everything to do with God. And so here's what I want you to understand. He wasn't saying that nation is bad. He said the God of that nation is bad. And so if you go and you intermarry with those people, they will lead you away from me. Is this still true today? Absolutely. In 2 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 14, the Bible says this, Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And so there is a stern warning. God has not changed. It's not about a nation. It's not about a person. It's about the God of that nation. And so, friends, when you, and particularly young people, are looking for that perfect person, you better look for Jesus Christ first. If you don't see Jesus, keep moving on. By God's word, here's what it says. It's not right. Now, some of you today may find yourself in a situation where you have intermarried somebody that's not a believer, and you understand the pains that come along with that. It has not been easy, and I know that. And I'm grateful today that God can work in every situation, but we must heed the warnings when he gives them to us. And so today I believe this is a stern warning to the people of God. Don't go to the other nations and intermarry the unbelievers that are there. It has nothing to do with color of skin. It has nothing to do with the nation. It has everything to do with their God. Point number four, verses 15 and 16. Therefore it shall come to pass that as all good things are come upon you, which the Lord your God promised you, so shall the Lord bring upon you all evil things till he has destroyed you from off this good land which the Lord your God hath given you. And when you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and you have gone and served other gods and bowed yourself to them, then shall the anger of the Lord be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given unto you. Point number four and a dying wish is that sin will be punished. Not only will the nations cause trouble within if the people were to go back, the Lord will allow evil things to happen. And he says this, evil things will happen until you die. There's not going to be a break from that. But we see the greatest anger of the Lord when something happens. In Exodus chapter 34, verse 14, For thou shalt worship no other god for the Lord, or but the Lord, whose name is Jealous. He is a jealous God. God's desire for every human being is simply this, to worship God and to worship Him alone. He is a jealous God. And so He wants to protect 
his people. Jesus Christ wants a relationship with every person in this room. And I don't know the situation of your heart or the situation of your life, but here's what I do know. Most of the time when a crowd of this size gathers and those that are watching live stream gathers together, there are people that don't truly know who Jesus is. The thing that breaks God's heart today is when His people don't love Him back. When His prized creation doesn't love the Creator. And so today, a dying wish from an old man says this, Will you please go forth worshiping a God? Don't turn your back on him because he is jealous. And if you make him angry, we will pay. Sin has a price. It costs Jesus Christ his life for every one of us today who chooses to believe. But today I want you to look at verse number 16. It says, When you have transgressed the covenant of the Lord your God, which he commanded you, and have gone and served other gods and bowed yourself to them, then shall the anger of the Lord... Be kindled against you, and you shall perish quickly from off the good land which he hath given you. The thing that makes God the angriest is when his people and his creation bow to another God, when they stand and worship another God, when they serve another God other than Jesus Christ today, that makes him angry. A dying wish is that a people would love their God. If I could boil this down into a 30-second message, Joshua simply wanted his people to love his God. And here's what he realized. He had no control over it anymore. Age has taken his strength. Age had hindered him in many ways of being the mighty conqueror. Age was taking its toll and it would soon take its life. But the one thing he still had was his voice that spoke loud and clear for God. As I sat down to write this message, God's timing is impeccable. It was a Monday morning. I was at my desk and I was writing this sermon. The previous night I had received a call from a family in the church that her mother was passing away. I rushed Sunday evening to be at their bedside. And, but on Monday morning I came down and I began to write these words of a dying wish. I want you to hear the dying wish of a conqueror in Joshua. But I also want you to hear a God moment of a dying wish. A mother who had an opportunity to speak life into her family. As she realized cancer was taken over, she called the family to her bedside. And these are the moments that as a pastor are so humbling. I have no control. I was just blessed and honored to be a witness in the room. And with permission, I can share this today. As Barbara realized there wasn't a lot of time left, she came to herself and she came to her senses and gave the most powerful testimony to her family that I've ever heard in all of my life. And simply here is what she told them. She said, God will take care of you. She reminded them that as a family, they needed to be there for one another through the days ahead. She reminded them, don't turn their backs on one another and to love one another. A most real moment as God timed that with this sermon. I was writing a dying wish of a conqueror that said, love my God. And I was at the bedside of a woman who was simply saying, love my God. God will get you through this. Monday morning at 9 o'clock, I got the call to come. And as I reached that house... Knocked on the door. She was gone. I'm 40 years old. And I don't know how it all is going to end. But here's my dying wish. That a church and a people that they say that are Christians would simply love Jesus Christ and show it fully to the world. If it's through sliding over and making room for somebody, if it's through holding a door from somebody, if it's through an invitation, if it's through missionary work, if it's through evangelism within our community, however it is, the dying wish is that we love God. This is a wish from God. I don't want you to go home and say the preacher preached about death all day long. 
I don't want you to call up family members and beat them over the head with the Bible. That's not what I'm calling you to do. But here's what I'm calling you to do. Very simply, take God serious. Christians, cleave unto God. Know that He has not failed us. And sin will be punished. Before you pick up the phone and call somebody with a dying wish, come before a holy God and let Him minister to you first. Whether you realize it or not, this could be the last message you ever hear. This could be the last worship service you ever attend. This could be the last invitation to Jesus that you ever get. So here it is. Jesus Christ loves you. And if you've been playing games or playing around with God, you're not guaranteed tomorrow. But Jesus Christ loved you enough to go to an old wooden cross to pay the debt of sin for every person in this world. And He willingly laid down His life for everyone that is here today. He laid down His life in death to pay that payment for sin. And today, if you've never said yes to Jesus, here is the invitation. Don't you dare turn away. Jesus Christ loves you. And He simply wants a relationship with every single person in this room. If you've never said, yes, Jesus, I believe that your death took my place in payment for sin. I will repent and I will trust and I will believe and I will follow you for the rest of my life. Now is the time to do that. Maybe today, Christian, there's a portion of time, maybe even that time is right now where you say, God, I've backslidden. I've stepped away. I'm not where I need to be. You come do business with God today. All you need to do is bow before Him and say, God, forgive me where I've strayed. I want to be following you every step of the way. Maybe today there's somebody in your family that you want to stand and pray for. Maybe that's in your spot. Maybe it's to bow down before an altar. Why do I give an altar invitation? Because I believe something that's done in public is very powerful. I've never forgotten a time when I've fallen before God on my face. Friends, today, if you need to fall before God, you do business with Him today. However the Lord leads you, this is God's time right now. Let's give Him the invitation to come. Father God, thank You for Your Spirit, Your Holy Spirit, which has been moving through this service all day long. God, I know You're here. Lord, I pray that You would use a stumbling voice to give the most precious invitation in all the world. Lord, ultimately your dying wish on a cross was that everybody would come to you in faith and believe. And God, today, if there's somebody here that has never taken that step, Lord, I pray, Lord, that they will come and make the life-changing decision of Jesus Christ being their Savior. God, as Christians today, maybe we need to fall before you and simply say, God, lead me. God, lead me closer. Bring me closer to where I need to be in following you. Lord, rid myself of the things that are taking place. Lord, time has been an enemy. God, I pray, Lord, that you will give me more time that I may walk closer with you. God, today, as we do business, Lord, I pray that your spirit would lead in these moments. Thank you for what you're going to do. And we give you these moments now in Jesus' name. Clifford Baptist Church invites you to join us for worship every Sunday morning at 11 a.m. For more information about our church, please call our church office at 434-946-0555.